Hello friends! This introduction is likely going to be a bit all over the place because I'm very pressed for time and also sleep deprived, but I have the zoomies and I also had this pocket of time to record, so this is going to be a very good challenge for me to be concise and to, you know, get things done because I've got an episode to share with you. So, this week was really great for me in a lot of ways. It wasn't a, a perfect week, if that even exists, but it was full of all of the things that I'm, that I'm chasing in just small amounts. To break it down in terms of creativity, I got to work and finish on this just really refreshing short form documentary project, which was exactly the right type of project I needed to work on because it was not only enriching and nourishing for the people I was making it for, but it was enriching and nourishing for me. It was basically just about artists supporting other artists, which I love and am all about. I also got to fully achieve a New Year's resolution that I had. It was my only New Year's resolution by working on a movie that I had been tracking since September and was really excited about. So I finally wiggled my way onto that set and actually is where I'm about to go in a couple hours. We're shooting nights this week, so that's definitely helped scratch that creativity itch for sure. In terms of curiosity, I, of course, am propelling my podcast forward. I recorded another episode at the top of the week and scheduled one for later and also have been chipping away at this one that you're about to listen to. And I went to one Aikido training session and, of course, my Irish dance classes in the morning. But what really piqued my curiosity this week was getting to work on the feature that I had been tracking since September because the way that I'm working on it is in a role that I haven't done professionally before. On these bigger shows, I've mostly been in the post-production world, but on this one, I just really wanted to get back on set because I missed seeing that creativity and collaboration in action. And, you know, post-production is really cool and I love it, but I'm also not really an office person. And unfortunately, post-production is largely in an office or if not an office, then it's in an some sort of confined space. So on this show, I was able to book my first stand-in job, which essentially means that you stand in place of an actor while the technical crew, the camera crew, the lighting crew are finding their marks and setting everything up so that the actual actor doesn't have to do all of that and they can save their energy for their performance. So I, I had done that in school and on smaller you know, just projects for friends and things. So I kind of knew, had a good understanding of what a stand-in did, but it's been really fun learning how to actually do it professionally and seeing where my place is with the crew and seeing that I am part of the crew. And it's just been so much fun and so refreshing and a good bit of play involved, which of course I'm all about. The role I'm standing in for is actually a little bit more physical than I anticipated too. So there was a little bit of running outside and then yesterday there was some jumping over some couches and it was just great. I had a lot of fun doing it. But one of the things that I have most enjoyed and found most refreshing about 
doing this standing work is getting to be back in an environment where I can see collaboration in action. It's just really cool to watch people dedicated in their own crafts help each other out to reach a common goal, especially when it's one so creative and fun as filmmaking. And that appreciation that I have for their collaboration also feeds into my own quest for companionship because I'm meeting a lot of cool people and making a lot of new friends. And I'm just so excited to be a small part of this crew. I also got to spend a lot of meaningful time this week with some of my other friends, just chatting and catching up and, you know, just really enjoying each other's company. It's so nice to find people that you can keep solid friendships with without having to worry about how often you communicate with them. Like, you know that they'll be there for you and you'll be there for them no matter how much time goes by. And that's kind of what I'm chasing. Those are the people who are going to uplift you in your pursuits and they're the people who want to watch you succeed and they want to hear about how you how you grow and they just they just want nothing to do but to support you which brings us to our word of the day support i've been paying a lot of attention lately to the people and to the things and opportunities in my life that have both made me feel supported and that i want to actively support and it's been interesting because i do have a lot of support right now from a lot of different avenues but the strangely wonderful thing is that I kind of feel like I'm being supported by the universe, which might be kind of a wackadoodle thing to say. Like, what does that really mean? But it feels like the game of life in 2022 for me has been an improv game. It just feels like a game of yes and. Like anything that I've been putting energy into, the universe has said, oh yes, yeah, that. And here's something else that you weren't looking for, but would be good for you. And that's not to say that everything in 2022 so far has been like peachy keen and easy breezy and, you know, just like laid out right in front of me. But the things I am devoting myself to and putting effort into and investing in myself in are already presenting opportunities for me. And I'm trying to be really appreciative of these opportunities because I see them as stepping stones or as lily pads or as building blocks or whatever simile metaphor you want to use there to build some sort of foundation for myself that I can, you know, just keep progressing and keep working on and continue to live authentically as myself. And I found this to be the case in a lot of different parts of my life. When things were meant for me, then I knew. I had a gut feeling and I knew that something was right. Since my jobs are gig-based, I would constantly peruse the, the Facebook ads and things and try and find, you know, jobs that I thought I could take. But I would only apply to them if I got this gut feeling saying that this job was for me. And I've had that on several jobs and I applied to those jobs and they were for me. 
I got them and they progressed me and they were really good for me and they were what I needed in that moment. And it was so easy to slide into that opportunity and to fit in to the opportunity and to make space for myself in that opportunity, regardless of if it was work or play or combination of the two. But on the other hand, there's been plenty of times where I've just been forcing myself into situations because I wanted them on some level but I just felt like I was fighting something and then the universe was giving me signs to just stop because it, it wasn't working or it wasn't supposed to work. And I don't, I don't really consider myself a, a spiritual person, but it is kind of interesting and definitely funny to sort of track these patterns and know them about yourself. And honestly, it's a little bit more fun to just kind of say, yeah, I'm just going to live as myself and I can trust that I support myself enough to sustain myself and the world will support me too. Even the lifestyle I'm living now, it's just a variation on what I've done before. When I first moved down to Atlanta, I didn't have a job right in front of me, but I did have a couple thousand dollars and I did have a short film that I was trying to finish. And I just kind of came down and I used all of the resources that I could to find small projects and to find people and to find all of these different avenues for support to sustain me. So I asked myself, you know, why can't I take that same lifestyle approach? and just apply it to this quest for fulfillment to reclaim play. And when I framed it like that, there was no reason why I shouldn't just jump in because I just knew that the universe and the world and the people that I've made connections with and the skills that I've built for myself are all there to support me. And I do have a foundation and I am grounded. And all of those things will catch me if I fall, and I will catch myself if I fall. So why not just grab a parachute, jump out of a plane, and fall slowly? It'll be more fun. So I guess in this skydiving metaphor, the parachute is all of those foundational things that I've built for myself. The industry knowledge that I have the little small chunk of change that I can use to invest in myself and to find activities that I love and enjoy learning about and I think will eventually progress my myself and my endeavors, and the people that offer me warmth and space to grow and who I feel appreciated and supported by. One of these people is a professor that I had at UNC Wilmington. His name is Terry Linehan, but of course we all just called him Terry. And while I was under his tutelage, Terry just showed consistent and bottomless love and support, not only for us as his students, but for everybody he interacted with, with his students, with the faculty, with his peers and colleagues, with guest speakers, with alumni, with community members, everyone. And his presence was just such a comfort and an inspiration to me while I was there because you could just see how happy he was to help people grow. Terry has been working in the UNC Wilmington Film Studies Department for 22 years now. And actually, this is his last season of teaching before he sails off to the calmer shores of retirement. In his 22 years at UNC Wilmington, Terry did so much to support the program. Not only was he an educator in the classroom, but he encouraged 
his students and the community to be a part of our education. He brought in many guest speakers for everyone to come listen to and to ask questions to and to learn from. He also had a big part in the alumni program so that we have a a base that we can reach out to and connect each other with. He was also the internship director while I was there and personally led me through several internships. And the whole time he was also a creator. He was always creating, always working on things from scripts to short films and even features. The first memory that I have of Terry was in a class called Introduction to Movie Makers and Scholars as a freshman. It was the first film class that I I took at UNC Wilmington and it wasn't in the major. Anybody could take it. But basically the, the class was structured so that Each session, it was a once a week class, featured a guest who worked in a different part of the industry. And each week the guest would come in and give us a short lecture about what they do and their background and how they got to where they are and would ask a few questions. And then they would share a film that they worked on in some capacity. So one of the guests was Terry because he had recently finished his indie feature called Don't Know Yet and he screened it for our class. And I thought it was just so amazing that a teacher could not only be available to teach and, you know, to give instruction and to give constructive criticism and to be there in those sort of systematic ways, but to go outside of the classroom and to put all of those sentiments and efforts into practice and into play. And he also made it a point to hire students who were currently in the program or recently graduated as his crew. As our first semester freshman, I just thought that that was truly remarkable. And I knew that I wanted to share experiences like that because he just lit up and his enthusiasm was radiating off of him. So I tried to to keep a little bit of Terry's tenacity and spirit and fight in me in whatever project I'm working on with whatever I do, because that's important. I think you really just have to find those moments of joy and to find the things that feel good and to fight for the things that you feel that enthusiasm for, because that enthusiasm, that energy, that zest for life, whatever it is, that spark, that's what's real. And that's what's going to carry you through whatever turbulent waters your ship makes its course through. So on that note, I'd love to welcome you aboard the SS Let Me Play and come take a little cruise with me and Terry. Great to see you too. It's been several years since I last saw you. I think the last time 
The last time that I saw you was actually in a Zoom alumni meeting, I think, for Kukuloris, perhaps, if that sounds that right. That would have been last year. Okay, yeah, I think that yeah. was right. I think that was right. But that was kind of a, a strange, that, well, that was strange in general for everybody, just that whole time. But I thought it was really wonderful how you and the other faculty members kind of were creative in that space and brought everybody together. I think that uh, COVID sort of just inspired us to do that. You know? Yeah. And it inspires and sort of by necessity, uh, everything that, that uh, transpired there with, a, with that Zoom, alumni Zoom meeting, which is really fantastic. And now we've decided to do it again. Oh, good. Every year we're going to do it because there's oh, so cool. many people that can't come back to the in-person right. alumni meeting that we have every November right. uh, during Kukuloris. So uh, for good or bad, we're going to keep it going. Good, good. Well, that's something I always really appreciated about you is just how... Um, how important fellowship and creating genuine connections with people is. And that's why I wanted your word, discussion word today to be support because you're a huge source of support to myself and to my classmates and to your peers and colleagues and everything here. And so I wanted to kind of share some of those thoughts and discussions with you. Fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And Talk about support Yay. to support you. Okay, great, great. Love that. <laughs> so being such a um, warm and supportive person and wanting to help people and wanting to encourage them, where does your instinct to support people in those ways come from, do you think? Has it always been a part of you or did you learn it? Or Well, both my parents were teachers. Okay. Um, my mother taught third grade for 38 years. Wow. And my dad was uh, physical education and a coach, mm. football and basketball coach. He was my football coach in high school. And he taught for 25 years, maybe. And although they talked at the dinner table every night about whatever you do, don't become a teacher. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't take their... Uh, encouragement or advice to heart. So I think like, like seeing them support people over the years and my mother getting sweet letters from kids that grew up in, and got married and invited her to their wedding and she had them in third grade. Or you wow. were my favorite teacher and you supported me all these years. And my dad having teammates, uh, or sorry, kids that he coached come back years later yeah. to see him and he had a stroke when he was uh, in his 60s and all his former teammates would come, or kids that he coached rather, would come back and, and see him and thank him for, you know, being there in the locker room, inspiring them to, you know, win the game or whatever it was. So I think a lot of it came from that maybe that I saw my parents as supportive people. Mm -hmm. um, also, I sailed on tall ships for a number of years, probably eight years off and on. And I learned from some of my crew members, like you have to support each other or you're out there on the, on the ocean and you know, you could get in trouble. Mm -hmm. There could be a storm, something could break. The, the, you know, the boom could come across and smack you in the head and you're, you know, in trouble. You could fall out of the rigging. There are all these different things oh, that could wow. happen. And so it was sort of like shoulder to shoulder, you know, my sweat is yours. 
um, we're in this together. So I think that's maybe part of it too, is just being, feeling that we're all in this together. And now in COVID, we are all in this together. Yeah, absolutely. So you've seen that kind of nourishment and nurturing aspect from both a, like a long-term effect with your with your parents and all of the the notes and things from their former students and that network, and then also the kind of like very high stakes aspect of that as well with the sailing. Yeah, life or death. Yeah, literally uh, life honestly. or death. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, that that's very informative uh, because that certainly can would inspire you to like shape that in yourself and yeah. to give all of that, all of that back. Um, what ways do you feel most supported in what ways? And also how do you like to show others that you support them? Um, I think it, it might come down to, you know, the word itself, um, support. It means like a foundation or something underneath something else that, that helps, something grow or right. you know i was thinking like there's earth and there's a seed and you know if if teaching is the earth and the nurturing and the rain and the then the the student is the seed and and we're there to as the foundational the, the actual earth that supports this growth from from a, a student mm-hmm. so i think that you know the profession of teaching just by itself is 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 naturally supportive because that's why you go into it. I, I don't. I didn't go into teaching because um, I want, I had so much to say, or I thought that I was so smart that I want. I just have to hear myself talk and you know help a student learn something. Although that's part of it is is the educational part, but mostly it's like if you don't love the idea of watching somebody go out into the world and and become what they're supposed to be then you don't belong belong here and we had a, a faculty meeting just recently and we were talking about what does our department in one word what does our department do and you know people were saying nurturing creative and you know also um, not just what we did multimodal film you know film studies and film production but the idea of working with young people to help them to to achieve their their dreams mm. and how did how was i supported in my life you know parents family and so on but i was thinking that so i when i was in college um i met a man who was a colonel in the british uh, uh, army and he was running these expeditions around the world he he crossed the panama by land, you know, through jungles and whatever, and he went down uh, rapids in Africa, you know, being attacked by hippos, and he had all these like incredible stories. Yeah. And he selected me, I met him when I was in college, and he selected me to be a part of this worldwide expedition. And I got out to see the world and totally changed my life. And I, I mean, I've been in touch with that man since the 70s. So it's like he's just a big part of my life. And, and I, don't, I feel like a lot of who I became was because of this this uh, man that I met. And uh, I'm, I'm able to tell him that, too, mm-hmm. that thank you for supporting me and and actually 
inspiring me to dream bigger than what I ever thought I, I could growing up in a little town in River Falls, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a farm community and I, I didn't necessarily aspire to cross oceans or become a filmmaker or anything unless I had this opportunity that this guy um, offered to me. And I went to New Guinea for um, th- three months then. Uh, I went back to New Guinea, built a, built a sailing canoe. I'm, this is maybe getting way off the subject. No, but, this is fascinating. Yeah. So this is fascinating. I went back to New Guinea um, a, few, a few years after this expedition over there and helped a community build a 43-foot traditional sailing canoe. Oh, incredible. And so I had to learn their local language. I lived in a grass hut by the beach and spent my days helping them build this canoe. And then we sailed it along traditional trading routes. Mm. That, that's something that never would have crossed my mind. Oh, never. Yeah. Um, growing up in a small town and, you know, working at my dad's Dairy Queen and playing football and just having kind of like um, smaller but important, you know, dreams of of living in, in that town and having a life there. But thanks to Colonel John Blashford Snell of the <laughs> British Army. Yeah. He, he uh, opened some doors for me yeah wow he put the sounds like he put the wind in your sails yeah Ah. (laughs) (laughs) metaphorically speaking metaphorically speaking um wow that's an amazing experience what ways do you think that experience shaped you or encouraged you to grow yeah um so it blew the walls off of my thinking like you know suddenly i'm thinking outside the box i can do more than i ever thought i could Uh it also got me writing daily i started writing journals and i was like disciplined in writing and and writing everything that that happened and so i've got these like four or five books at home leather bound journals with all my experiences in there and because of that discipline of just wanting to write and discovering that, you know, you don't have to open a vein to, to write, you know, it's not painful. It's just something that you do and you become an observer of the world. And mm-hmm. so that led me to think about, well, wow, that this could be a really cool story. Or I would see something in my travels that, that would make, make a great story. So I started to write short stories and really bad short stories and bad first chapters of novels that I would never finish because I had no training in it. And so that's another thing about teaching and supporting is that, you know, you're supporting people to learn something. You're giving them a foundation of education that they couldn't get by themselves Mm -hmm. in years. You can get it here at a a university um, in in months or Mm -hmm. four or five semesters of studying film. But um, so I started to write screenplays because I of love of movies Mm -hmm. and I also noticed that there's a lot of white on the page and you don't have to write lengthy lengthy descriptions and things it was it was much more suited to to my feeble brain right so uh that was fun to do and you know I got an agent after my first script so I thought that that was going to be an easy an easy life and discovered that I needed to write a lot more and I couldn't support myself through writing so Fortunately, got a job here when the film studies program was just starting uh, in, you know, 2000. Yeah. So after 22 years. Wow. It's well, been great. Good, good. I'm so glad to, to hear that. And it really, 
It seems like a, a natural progression of things for you coming from that nurturing background and then also uh, really being tested and perhaps physically challenged on this worldwide expedition that you that you went on and then also getting the chance to explore some creative outlets through that. It seems to have made you um, more shaped you into a more of a well-rounded person and then you're able to come back here and give back in a way from all of those experiences that could be i guess <laughs> yeah um certainly i had a lot of wide variety of of things that i that i've done and somebody commented recently about that to me and he said what you know what haven't you done and, and i said well you forgot to mention that I've been a janitor and, you know, that, that um, I worked at my dad's Dairy Queen and, yeah. and you know, did some very vile jobs um, in the meantime. Sure, you know, sure. So you just having a broad uh, wealth of, of experience, I think, is really helpful to, to teach in film and um, sailing on tall ships. You know, you learn collaboration and yeah. that's what this industry is, you know collaborating with each other, supporting each other mm -hmm. uh, through through a collaboration. Um, so I think it's been helpful to guide me in, you know, my own filmmaking as well. Right, right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, the arts industries and especially filmmaking is nothing but but team projects. Even the smallest, even the smallest independent projects are still team projects to some degree because if you don't have at least one other person involved you've only made a film for yourself uh nobody's going to see it if you only keep it to yourself um so how reliant would you say project-based mediums such as filmmaking are on support um Support, financial support for starters yeah. is like the, a huge um, obstacle. And I always tell my students, raising the money will be the hardest thing you do. Making mm -hmm. the film will be easy compared to raising the money. Yeah. And so um, I think that you're, you're reliant on your ability to bring people together mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, if, I, if I'm not a good salesperson, then I need to find someone was able to go out there and pitch ideas to to people. If I'm not a good with with budgets, I need to find somebody that will help uh, do the budget. Uh, so I think that and in in the producing class that I teach, the first day I ask, "What does a producer do?" Mm -hmm. And so many people don't really know. Yeah, it's kind of vague. Yeah. Oh, they raise the money. They they deal with the money. Okay. Well, that's just a part of it. They're they're creative people and. Also, like I said, having the ability to bring a team together, that's what, that's what a producer does in, in my mind. Mm. And I like to think of myself as a writer, producer, director in that order because I've had less directing experience than anything because mm -hmm. it's hard, hard to get. You've got you to direct a movie. Okay, well, first, yeah. you know, you got to get that, that group together. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy. Yeah, first there needs to be a movie to make and then there needs to be a crew to make the movie. Right, and, yeah. yeah. So... Um, I'd say you know being reliant on your ability to bring people together is is a huge part of of this collaboration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then once everybody's brought together, the 
being able to to play nicely with each other and to help each other is also a, a skill. It I seems. love that you said that. That's absolutely. I mean, there's so many talented people that you would never want to work with yeah. because they are not easy to get along with. So, sure. Um, I have a cousin who's an actor, and he said that um, talent is one thing, knowing your lines is one thing, but knowing the names of the crew members when you show up to work, that gets you the next job. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's certain givens that you have to have. Know the lines, you know, know where your mark is to stand, and, and so on. But knowing people's names and being personable Mm-hmm. And someone that you would want to work with again. I mean, that's why you see people like Martin Scorsese, who works with the same uh, editor, the same DPs all the time, because they get along and they understand each other, and that's that's huge yeah. to be able to to be a nice a nice person. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's because it's this industry is? Uh, it's both a networking industry and a gig-based industry where there's constant turnover? Or do you think that, I don't know, what do you think? Why do you think that is? Why do I think? Why do you think uh, just being personable is such a valuable trait in this industry? And I think you're hitting on it there that there's someone else in line behind you that can do your job. Right. There's a thousand people behind you. Everybody wants to work in this industry because it's sexy and it's cool and it overpays sometimes. Yeah, it does. So, you know, being a good person is going to help you to keep that job, I think, and you'll get recommended for the next thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Play nicely, as yeah. you say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also think that there's some, there tends to be some degree of inauthenticity uh, among some people on crews. Um, there's some people who are very authentically themselves. They are, they do hit those degrees of, um, you know, just being a nice person or being themselves and having kind of, good character traits, you know, ad- admirable character traits, like being honest or um, punctual or, you know, they work hard, they contribute. But it seems like productions can also be very hindered by people who are just there to to work and not really there to contribute. Oh, that I can see that a lot. Yeah. So there's a term, the EOP, you may have I've heard of that, right? The enemy of production. Oh, yes. There's always somebody <laughs> on a production who's like complaining and yeah. undermining everything and they don't like too many hours or they ask me to do this and it's not part of my job. And, right. You know, um, that that's the person that, yeah, it's been very nice knowing you. Now um, we're going to, who's next, you know, behind you that we can bring up. Mm-hmm. But there, there's just always going to be dissension and... Um, people that that are going to complain and they're miserable and they're miserable people probably um, so if you can bring a light to set and to the production then you're you've got a longer career for sure yeah absolutely and that makes perfect sense that when people find when somebody finds a, a team or a network or a group of people that they resonate with and that they enjoy working with, even through the challenging stuff that they kind of want to keep that 
group of people together. Has that been your experience? Bu- building a network yeah. uh, is something like when I teach uh, here at UNCW, we talk about networking and people think, oh, if I meet one person, then I'm, I'm on my career is just going to launch. I mean, it takes years sometimes to, to build a network. And this isn't just something that happens overnight. I mean, especially if you're going to be a producer because the network that you build has to trust you as a person and it takes years to build trust and friendship. I mean, I'm working with a guy right now that I met 22 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, He's a sales agent and I met him at the Cannes Film Festival in 2000 and kept up with him. I, I, you know, I, I pitched a project to him in 2000 at the Cannes Festival. It didn't get any, didn't go anywhere, but he said, send me your next thing. And, and I did. And I sent him the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And he kept, you know, thumbs down on every one. Mm. And then he became my um, sales agent for my feature film, Don't Know Yet, mm. which was released in 2014. So he, you know, so 14 years later, he helped me to get a film distributed. And now he's working with me to develop my new project. And that's just really like 22 years of building a relationship yeah. with somebody that you just met for 15 minutes. Wow. You know, 22 years ago and then just kind of kept things going. So, I mean, networking does does take time and and it takes luck too, I think. I was going to ask yeah. what degree you thought luck played yeah. into that. L- luck, right place, right time, right opportunity. My, my cousin, the actor, also said about a career, it happens at different times for everybody. Yeah. And a lot of it is just luck. And right. you hear famous actors and famous directors and writers say, I lucked out, I got a lucky break. So if you don't uh, push things forward and don't try and you're not persistent, you're not going to get a lucky break. I mean, luck luck is, um, you know, working hard and then suddenly you're there at the right time, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting in all of the work and, being consistent with the work that you make and the the efforts that you take to put yourself out there, I think. But you know, you're exactly right. Um, People, it seems like people who click with you or really connect with you at one point in your life will tend to have the continue those uh those feelings but it just not it just might not ever make sense to to work out until something else comes down the line which is what seems i think mark twain said um the harder i work the luckier i get oh wow that's a great quote so yeah i think that's who said it yeah no that's so fitting and it's so true for an industry like this where opportunities are literally popping up all of the the time and you know, they need to be uh, fleshed out with people who want to, to bring those ideas to life. Yeah. So another another cliche quote yeah. from Wayne Gretzky, um, you you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's a good one. It's a good one. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why is it important for artists and people working in these creative industries to uplift each other? Uh, no one else is going to do it for yeah. you. That's one thing. It's it's pretty cutthroat. Um, 
they keep calling agents sharks, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a lot of uh, fighting going on to try to, um, I mean, I, I fortunately have not experienced a lot of it, but I think that people will do uh, whatever they need to do to get ahead, even that in- includes stepping on you. Mm-hmm. So those people are soon found out, I think. They might, they might get a break to start with, but then in the long term, if that's the way they operate, they're just cutting their own throat, you know, honestly. Self-sabotage. Yeah, yeah. self-sabotage. So the people that are, you know, have integrity and um, are, are collaborators and good people, I think, are going to always get ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and progress and move forward. And I was thinking too that in uh, similar to to what you said that nobody else is going to do it, but also at least the people in the like the other people working in the film industry, they know the toils and tribulations and everything that come with making a film. So I think that that they want innately they want to support other people with their creative endeavors and they want to see other films and artworks be presented and, you know, made because it's a marvel that, uh, that any film even ever gets made. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Sure. You know, you help me, I'll help you. And we're always looking for those, those good people that are fun to be with and that are, you know, good at what they do. Um, that's, that's, real collaboration and support there mm-hmm. um, so and, yeah and performance mediums are interesting too because it's not there's not one like initial support that's going to complete the whole project you need a lot of it consistently through the whole thing like from the financial aspect and the fundraising that you mentioned uh, a lot of that is done on smaller projects is done through crowdfunding funding so it's really a communal effort and then so there's that and then just the development and the the execution like the production element of it which you know requires a a literal crew of people to create the project and then once the project is done you need people to watch it too right (laughs) that's right exactly paying customers so you can do it again so you You can do do the whole head banging against the wall again yeah so to me it seems crucial to have at least some degree of people that you can uh that you feel like you can rely on and that they can invest in you. That's right. Teamwork. Teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Collaborators. Mm-hmm. We need we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and collaborators and also people who share not necessarily the exact same vision, but are wanting to like help people create their their ideas and bring their ideas to life, I think. Right. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has a role to play, right. and if it's a common goal, like the common vision, or to do this film the way that it's sort of laid out, um, that takes cooperation and and um, input from. You have to you have to be able to accept someone else's views on on, on something. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you want to make a scene and. Um, 
the DP says, well, maybe we should do it this way. Well, no, I'm the director. No, we're not going to do it like that. Mm -hmm. So that, that's not collaboration. And you might be surprised that that DP had a better idea than you. So um, the ability to ask for input, I think, is another um, important aspect of, of creating a film that is any good. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are the, are there any consequences to either not asking for others' input or hearing it but rejecting it? Yeah, um, this is synergy. You know, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, if I don't know what your part is in, I don't allow you to express your creative input, then you're going to be shut down and you're not going to contribute your best to the whole. Right. So it's discouraging. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. 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 So but I think you have to welcome input and ideas, even if it's different than your own. I think this is diversity, you know, at its core. And mm. um, I think diverse opinions make for better um, results. Mm -hmm. I'm getting lots of diverse opinions on scripts that I write, you know? Oh, are <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Like, eh, this scene is, what are you, what's this all about? And this this dialogue is, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. So it's important to get those criticisms. And as a matter of fact, if I was thinking about this too, that support doesn't mean you're just helping, helping. Sometimes support means you're, you're critical of somebody. I'm supporting you to make you better. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, this is this is just not acceptable. I want to support you to become the best you. So sometimes I have to tell you that there's something that you might not be seeing about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I see this in students, you know, especially like when they're learning and and making mistakes. I want you to make mistakes. Yeah. That that's the only way to learn. That's why I have white hair because <laughs> I'm experienced. Yeah. I've made a billion mistakes and I never exaggerate. And this is like. This is what, what students need to know. It's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Screw up. make Bomb this project, but get it in on time and right. work hard on it and you know, do those, those skills. But supporting you means that I have to be critical of you sometimes as well as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so what is that tough love kind of approach to supporting somebody like a student uh, or a mentee or somebody, what does that offer them that, you know, traditional pats on the backs or just uh, stars and stickers <laughs> and all of those kind of generic yeah. support things? I, I think that it ingrains something in you that I'll never do that again. When I was graduating college, I had an internship in Newport, Rhode Island. I was a parks and recreation major, but as far away from film production sure. as you could get. Um, but I went to Newport, Rhode Island to work for the American Sail Training Association, which is a tall ship group. And they sponsor tall ship events and sail training for young people. It's kind of character building, teamwork building things. So I worked for an admiral, Thomas Weschler. He, he, was, a, he was a naval admiral. So you can imagine, you know, ship shape and disciplined and just you know, by the book. And at the end of the summer, he came to me and he said, you've got great ideas. You work hard. You're really good at starting things, but you need to learn how to follow through. 
you, you, you don't complete things mm-hmm. like you should. Mm-hmm. And I just took that really hard and I hated the guy for a couple of weeks. Did you? But, you know, it ended up being the best thing he could have said to me. He, he was supporting me by being critical. And this is a lesson that, that I've never, ever forgotten. Follow through. If you're going to do something and you say you're going to do something, finish it. And, you know, we do this to the best of our ability. We don't always succeed in following through. But for me, it was a thing that I learned, a criticism of me that stuck with me. And I I just actually used it, that very story in my producing class this last week to tell some students that they needed to be dependable and disciplined and get things in on time and do what they were asked to do and said they would do mm-hmm. because it's going to stay with you the rest of your life. And this is the kind of criticism that you can give somebody that sticks sticks to you. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's worthwhile. So right. it might hurt at the moment, but if it hurts, it helps, I guess. I think so. I think when something, when a comment like that, that is so direct and specific stings, yep. hearing it, I think that means that there's at least a nugget of truth yes. in it. And I think the reaction a lot of the time comes from feeling like seen by yeah. the other person yes. in a not so positive yeah. way. Right. I wanted to follow through with him with the right hook I'm to the sure. jaw <laughs> when, when he first said it. And then I realized, you know, there after a couple of weeks of the stinging, right? Yeah. He, uh, uh, I, I understood what he was talking about. And did you catch yourself not following through? Yeah. Yeah. This? There was a definite thing that I didn't do yeah. well at mm-hmm. that I should have. Mm-hmm. And anyway. And so um, you were able to take that kind of harsh advice and then start maybe tweaking your behaviors or just at the very least making sure that you finished things. I hope so. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a lesson I never forgot. Let's put it that way. Right, right, right. Well, that's the thing too. I think those stinging comments tend to stay with you, like you said, and inevitably, I feel like, I guess it depends on your personality, but I feel like you could either learn from them and grow from them and realize that this is something that you can work on in yourself or you can kind of do the opposite of that where you get angry potentially or you uh you know hold on to that negative emotion and you just kind of let it fester yeah so it it takes a while to heal from something like that though at least it did for me but it, it, you know, it it stayed with me, and um, I pass it along. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ask students all the time, be a professional, especially doing internships with students going to representing the university and the department. They go some somewhere like you did, you know, to Los Angeles to do an internship. You're representing this yourself and representing the department, and you know, our reputation is on the line when you when you go out there. And thankfully, you are amazing. Um, But, you know, some some students, they don't get the glowing reports and then it's on us. And I yeah, I can imagine that that navigation, like navigating the internship experience would be a bit challenging 
uh, from from your end, not only having to coordinate all of the, you know, the students going out there and the programming that they're receiving and all of that, but also, well, also a lot of, a lot of my peers, I guess, didn't really see why going out into the world was super, I guess, important while they were still in school. Um, and so I think you did an, a, an amazing job at kind of encouraging people to actually want to get out there and to go and learn from outside sources. That, that's the most fun and uh, satisfying uh, part of this job is getting people out the door mm -hmm. and sending them off on an internship where they can learn that they had to learn how to follow through or they yeah. can learn that they didn't know as much about editing as they thought they did yeah. or whatever it is. And that's their first taste of like what it's going to be like when they leave. Um, that brought me great joy um, over the last 16, 17 years running the internship program that mm -hmm. said that satisfaction of, of helping somebody to get out there and you know you can learn about lighting and gripping and recording sound and whatever color correction uh, in a class but unless you get out there and actually practice it under the eye of somebody else who's not your instructor who's mm -hmm. not so kind maybe mm -hmm. who's not so forgiving of you not doing doing it right um, You've, you've got to, um, you know, test yourself uh, in, in, in an internship and that people that have done it, I don't know why they, they wouldn't want to mm -hmm. uh, go out. I don't I mean, that's just strange to me that there are people who come to the program and maybe wouldn't want to do an internship. Mm -hmm. It's as, as valuable or more valuable than what you learn in classes sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, too, I think it's, um, at the very least, it's an environment where it's not built around, like, safety, so to speak. Right, yes. So you're definitely out of your comfort zone, uh, and you, the people that you are working with or placed with are not there to tell you that you're doing a good job. Right. That's... They will, hopefully. Hopefully they'll be very yeah. nice people and will encourage you. But that's you're there to help them and to right. learn from them. And hopefully they can do that. They can help you learn and yeah. want to help you learn. And contribute to what they're doing. Yes. And not be the enemy of production and not complain when you're, that you, you're told to go out and get lunch for everybody. Even right. though that's you really want to be there to learn about development of screenplays or... Mm -hmm what do you you know how to edit this this clip together or mm -hmm. whatever um, so you got to be able to accept some of the i guess less glamorous jobs too. oh yeah yeah totally well i think all of those experiences that are definitely less glamorous i think they do contribute to uh your someone's general knowledge yeah. of not only how a specific job or department works but just how people work yes, yeah. in general. And if you can make great cups of coffee for people and get every order right and you, you pick up the sandwiches and got the orders correctly and bring them to each person on time and 
They say, this person is really good at getting lunch. Yeah. Let's give them a little more responsibility. Sure. They've earned sure. our trust. Right, right, right. And that's kind of how that's, yeah, that's exactly how it happens. They, people tend to give you uh, small tasks and then those small tasks, if you do them well, they lead to, to bigger responsibilities. Yeah. So don't be afraid to be the best sandwich maker that they've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people remember stuff like that yeah. too. Uh-huh. Uh, because again, like we were mentioning before, it's a personable trait that you yes. kind of associate with somebody. It's not just uh, it's not just something that you relate to on a work level. It's something that you might bring up later at a bar or at a party or so, even something as silly as sandwich making yeah. or coffee making. But people remember that stuff because it makes them happy. Right. So yeah. There's a lot of uh, potential character development right. there, yes. I would say. <laughs> I, recently, um, I recently was taught by Joe Binford, who was previously on the podcast. He's a second assistant editor, and he taught me how to make a French press coffee. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are important skills depending on Absolutely. who you're working with and um, what they like. Did you grind the, the beans or did you use ground coffee? It was ground every time okay. we made well, it. Yeah. Next yeah. time get some fresh beans. I recommend Yemen coffee. That's my latest. Okay. Uh, Yemen beans and my wife researched um, the best grinders and don't get a choppy grinder, get a burr grinder. Oh, okay. That, that apparently is less damaging to the beans and oh, interesting. unleashes flavor in a different way or something. Uh, who knows? Yeah, some but, sort of chemistry. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to learn about making good coffee, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I think I also, on this job, it was a job where we had a kitchen and there were a few like appliances that people brought in. I... I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am a smoothie drinker. And I think one <laughs> I think one of the days I made myself a smoothie with a coffee grinder, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. It may have just been a really strange blender, but yeah, that was a funny moment when I realized that I think that that was for coffee beans, but it okay. worked. <laughs> it was a good smoothie. <laughs> Um, so yeah, all of these, these funny moments are, um, do wind up shaping you, a person in their working experience and, you know, how they progress later on in life. I think they're super important. Um, have you in, so you've been in several different kind of learning and character building experiences. You obviously have the the filmmaking aspect of that, which is more creative, definitely very collaborative. Uh, you also have the teaching and mentorship and internship directing and all of that um, aspect. And then you also have this uh, kind of a little bit militaristic sounding, the sailing uh, experience as well, which is a little bit uh, Sounds a, a bit more regimented or at least higher stakes. Um, would you say that in any or all of these situations you've experienced any sort of like systematic approach to showing support? Like have there ever been rules or uh, maybe like unspoken rules or regulations on like when it's appropriate to show this type of support versus like showing up for somebody versus like just vocalizing support or like providing monetary support. Like have you experienced different 
um, like methods, I guess, for for showing up in these ways. I'm not sure how to answer that exactly. Yeah, honestly, because um, they're all so varied um, positions and experiences. Right. Um, so I, I'm not sure that I can expand on that. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a strange thought, and I wasn't really sure how to word it either, um, because there there seem to be different ways that people can show that they are in support of something or somebody, right? Like they can, like, for example, if you have uh, like a soccer game, then your friends or your family can come and show up and watch you play. Uh, Or if you're, you know, you're showing a film, people can come and show up and buy tickets and come see your film. Um, But you can also just be you can vocalize your support as well. You could write something or with social media, you could like post or something like that. And, uh, and then you can also, another, so those are active things that you can do, but there's also a passive option, uh, at least one, which is to kind of just observe, which seems like a, a neutral place, uh, at least from an outside perspective. Yeah. Um, so, there's several film festivals that happen in Wilmington, and some are run by students, and some are run by Kukaloris, uh, you know, film festival, local, uh, popular film festival, student screenings we've had here in this very room. Um, and I think that faculty sometimes don't realize that the students are watching <clears throat> Who's who's coming to my event? Who's coming to watch mm-hmm. my film? Mm-hmm. And you know, the faculty get busy, and faculty have lots of other concerns, and they're dealing with. I mean, I have right now this semester 160 plus students that each email me and wanting things and whatever, and it's you know, it's showing support by answering their email, or yeah. sometimes you can't always. Um, assist the way that we want to, uh, I think that generally the feeling among students is that, you know, they are supported mm-hmm. here by various ways, um, just by the fact that we built a new building and have a million dollars worth of new equipment and a gorgeous soundstage and a brand new screening facility and hiring three new faculty in the last two years and hiring two more this year. And we've developed these two uh, graduate programs. These are all supportive things that may not be like, I support you on your film, but I support you uh, in in what you're doing. But it shows support in non sort of physical one-on-one face-to-face communication. It shows right. support overall. Right. Um, so maybe that's... Um, you know, maybe that answers the question yeah. a little bit. Or... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I think all of these ways of showing, showing that you believe in something or somebody, and you want that it's worth investing in, is important. Is there one way, or do any of these ways that you can show that you believe in something? 
uh, like the email versus building the the whole new building versus just watch, showing up to watch somebody's film. Does do any of those different ways hold more weight or are they more important necessarily or significant than others? Um, I th- think I think a student would, I'm speaking as a faculty member and just from my perspective, that if you show up, I've noticed this sometimes, I mean, I think once or twice, I've been the only faculty member to attend um, the uh, Flickr film mm-hmm. um, f- film festival they have every year, Real Teal Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I was the host one year, and there were no other faculty members at the event. Why? Because they're scattered in a hundred different directions. And I mean, for example, I thought about this too. You had an honors project you did, mm-hmm. and I couldn't be on your committee because I had two other honors projects I was doing that semester. Yeah. And it was like, we're spread so thin, and I don't know if you felt you were being, if you were let down by anybody not uh, participating in your honors thesis. Oh, no. But no, people, no. people wanted to. Yeah. And this is like, there's sometimes it's just really difficult with so many demands um, on, on a person. Yeah. Um, you want to do as much as you can. And I hope that people leave this program believing that every faculty member was wanted only the best for those students. Mm-hmm. Even the students that are having a hard time struggling and like maybe want to drop the major, but they're so close to graduating that they just kind of go through the motions to get out the door. Even those few students, you know, you've got to like, try to reach and help them to know that that you're behind them. Right, right. Well, I think that's one of the most important things is the student knowing that they have people that they are, that are on their side and in their court and want to see only the best yeah. for them. So in that vein, do you think that that feeling of having a a support system or a a base of people or a group of people that they can rely on is a mindset? Is it a perspective thing? Or can people say, is the feeling I am supported or I am not supported? Is that a choice that somebody can make? Wow. I hope that it's not, it doesn't even come up as a choice, yeah. you know? Um, I'm hoping that people know that they're, that they're supported and that people care about their well-being. And um, I mean, I feel like that's why institutions exist because it's sort of an automatic caring support group that you have. And then you graduate and then you have your alumni, and you, you were talking about before we started the broadcast, that you have so many friends in Atlanta that graduated from this same program. Yeah. And they're important to you, and that's your support group. And wow, even the name, it's a support group. It's a Facebook group or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so we kind of hand you off to everyone else who's graduated from this class, from this school. And you find, hopefully, we find each other, you find each other out there. 
um, which is going full circle back to having an alumni face-to-face reunion every year in November and then having a spring one that's remote so everybody across the country can join it if they want to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the alumni is your next support group, uh, hopefully after you've been supported here and we we help you to graduate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how... What has inspired you to want to cultivate that uh, that fellowship among everyone? Because my experience uh, and my peers' experience as well uh, of you is just you know this uh, just this warmth and this wonderful presence and you know only encouragement and wanting us all to 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 succeed and to be independent and to you know work on you know just work on ourselves and work on what is fulfilling to us. So what kind of inspires you to keep that going and to create those opportunities for people to come back and kind of refine themselves and their peers? Um, Because I see education and professional development and success and career longevity is something that's sort of full circle you leave here and then you come back and you help the next group. So honestly, part of that for me was I'm in the position to do that because I run internships and I get people out the door yeah. while they're undergraduates. And then I was also the alumni director since 2000 and I don't know, eight or something like that mm-hmm. and developing a network of our growing network of people. And we realized we got this core of people out there and I use so many alumni to help find new positions for internships and then connect people to get hired through alumni connections that we have. And this has just become, it's ballooned into something that now, you know, I don't know, we have maybe 2000 alumni out there in the world Mm -hmm. and trying to keep track of them and trying to help create networks. And you did a great job of developing the Atlanta Facebook group for Film Studies <laughs> alumni, which we're now going to connect on even more that I know that. Yeah, uh, I need to just, do a better job of managing it. Oh, well, we're going to get active. that rolling here we'll very figure shortly. It out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's been great, you know, to have people like you that are out there. And for example, when, when I'm looking for internships in Los Angeles, I got a, a, an alumna out there who every year I contact her in like February. Hey, what's happening out there? What new internships can we, can we create for our students? And she sends me a list, you know, dozen of them or 20 of them. And then she updates it the next month. And I, you know, keep sending people out to those companies. We could probably double our capacity for alumni in, in, I'm sorry, for um, interns in Los Angeles every every year if we wanted to. Wow. Uh, Just from all the opportunities that are out there. And actually COVID has been really useful because you don't have to go to LA and spend a ton of money to live there for the summer. Right. And things, even script reading and editing is all online. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can do it remotely. So um, that's really been a positive of this virus is to develop some connections so we can have internships year round in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. We can do that in LA, We we can do it in Atlanta, we can do it in New York, we can do it anywhere. Right. So 
the ticks. Now we have three on the alumni committee. <laughs> so yeah. just one. It's become this big thing, and yeah, uh, it's going to get even bigger because it's just so important to. And it, we we love it. We love to hear what people are doing. It's mm-hmm. just it gets you excited and. Well, I expect seeing uh, seeing your previous students succeeding and, you know, really leaning into their endeavors and making things happen and kind of finding, figuring out themselves is a good source of fulfillment to you uh, because you and the rest of the, the faculty, everybody they interacted with were pretty responsible for planting those seeds and for instilling that encouragement in them to pursue yeah. those things. We've had great leadership in this department. Um, you know, started out with Todd Berliner, Lou Bettino, Dave Monahan, Mariana Johnson now uh, all have taken the baton from each other and just, you know, doing bigger and better things. And uh, it's just, I mean, when we started this program in 2000 or 1999 or something like that. We had about a half a dozen still cameras. We had some Walmart lights in a cabinet and we had one computer for editing and wow. all of that was contained in a single closet. Oh my and gosh. Now we have a $4 million building in a million dollars of new equipment and this great theater here where we're speaking and it's just 325 majors. It's one of the biggest on campus. It's just gone through the roof and I can't imagine it's so fulfilling to me to be here at the beginning of it and now to see where it's going uh, from here it's really exciting it's super exciting and it's developed and changed so much even since I was here uh, because now there's the whole master's programs as well and of course the new building which I'm excited to to see later yeah absolutely so after after 22 years, I believe, you have actually reached your last season of teaching and mentoring and uh, contributing in this way. Uh, what, what have you learned or what, is, what have been your takeaways from it, from this experience? Um, seeing the quality of students just grow immensely seeing a department that's open to new ideas and open to change and and willing to like take risks for the benefit of film education. Um, None of this would have happened. There'd be no new building. There would be not an expansive growth of our majors unless the department was willing to take risks and um, do the hard work necessary behind the scenes to, to make uh, the new programs, la- launch new programs. Um, so I, I've, I mean, and we've grown incredibly. I think there were like four or five faculty when I first started and now there's, I don't know, 15, 16 and growing. A whole team. Yeah, and they're from all over the world and this is really, really cool and exciting. And I, I was lucky to be a part of it for, for that long, uh, especially with the, coming to the program with a major in parks and recreation. Yeah. They even took me, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, like like they, they teach us here, filmmaking can be paired with any major right, yeah. or any concentration right, yeah. to, to tell that story. I've, I've held on to, yeah. to that. Um, and it's, it's true. You can make... You can make art or something compelling out of 
just about anything. If you have a phone, you can make a movie. Yeah, yeah. You don't need much. No. And I tell my students, make a movie this weekend. Make a really bad movie this weekend. Yeah, make something. And you'll learn what not to do next time. Right, yeah. There's always something that you can take away from an experience. Yeah. How... Since you're kind of... um, since you are kind of passing your baton on, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe I'm dropping it and, and running, running away, I don't know. <laughs> Some sort of metaphorical yes. baton yes. passing <laughs> or other. Um, how have you, what are the ways that you have um, personally contributed to the program that you are proud of? Wow. Um, first of all, I got to say that I learned everything um, about film production from the faculty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came here with as a screenwriter and having made several short films, and I, you know, I was pretty green, honestly. But I did have a film in produ- in development that had some actors attached and whatever, so I sort of got hired because I was doing something. So I'd like to. Th- think that they helped me a lot more than I helped them. Mm. Um, but if I had to say things that I thought I contributed, it would be developing the internship program and developing the alumni network. Those would be two big things. Um, I started a producing class that you know, teaching um, students about using industry uh, movie magic software for budgeting and scheduling. And I think that's an important skill that some people have actually turned into money yeah. After they graduated and they, they started doing budgets for other films and they got paid to do it. So that's that's a good thing. Um, but I again, I feel like I was lucky and supported by my peers and my faculty and the students all along the way that I learned. In the end, I learned more from the students than they learned from me, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are definitely things that you should be proud of. And there are things that, especially with the alumni program and the internship program, you can see the the results of as as time goes on. So I think you definitely should be proud of it's, those things. It's onward and upward from here for film studies. Yeah. And you. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, well, with all of that in mind, how can somebody who either doesn't feel supported in any capacity or they they want to start being supported. Uh, they want to really work on that skill or that that feeling. Where can they turn? What advice would you have you, for them? You, you have to have courage to talk to professors because you'll find that everybody cares immensely for, about you. So I think some people are afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you you are um, revered no matter who you are here in this program. You may not always feel like it. We're not perfect. There are there are failures, I'm sure, along the way um, in, in supporting people. Um, but we try to embrace diversity and inclusion and, and equity. And I think that's that's uh, something that the department is working on. 
uh, not only in the faculty that we hire and the students that we recruit and the graduate programs that we that we established and you know carry on with um, we we welcome people to come and talk with us who feel like they might not be treated fairly or have some sort of difficulty and this is a hard time of life for students when they're early 20s and they've been through a couple of hurricanes that stopped them from going to school for a while or mm -hmm. then we went remote for two years right. essentially with COVID and somehow they're they're battling through that and they'll come out on the other side stronger than those who didn't go through that but it does cause frustration and anxiety and you know some people's health and mental health can be affected and I just say don't don't be afraid to talk to somebody and ask for help because you'll get it yeah that's really important and that's a skill to to learn it's a skill to learn to to have courage to to ask somebody for something yeah I need help right you know like sometimes we're afraid to say that because we don't want to be weak yeah appear weak we're not weak yeah. you're strong because you asked yeah Absolutely, and you're you're recognizing a need yeah. in yourself that needs to be that needs to be addressed, right. and you're not knowing that you're not a burden to somebody else. It's okay right. yeah. to, to ask for that. How can people support you? I have a uh, GoFundMe campaign. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> uh, GoFundMe. I'm retiring campaign. Um, well. Now that I'm leaving, yeah. uh, I have film, a film project that I'm gearing up for. And honestly, I will ask all my former uh, students to like, hey, you want to come and grip on this show? Do you want to, you know, edit, help edit? Do you want to? I have this incredible network of, of students, current students, past students, longtime students from the early 2000s. I've got a network of people that I helped get internships that are now working in the industry and working at the highest level. And I'm constantly reaching out to them and um, asking for like, hey, would you read this script? Or who do you know that is looking for something like this? So I'm not afraid to ask for help. Good. Uh, because that's the only way you're going to get ahead and get things done is like, I can't do it by myself. Yeah. We've just been talking about that for an hour. You know, it's a collaborative thing. And right. um, I feel like my network has developed just from from being here in this department and and running the internship program, running alumni relations, right, and just keeping up with people. That's that's what a net, that's what networking is. Is like long term keeping up with people, mm -hmm. knowing what they're doing in life and supporting them. And then sometime you may ask for a favor. You might need something yourself. So yeah, absolutely. Well, in the spirit of keeping up with people, how can listeners keep up with you? Um, let's see. Um, if you have a, a, any projects that you have up and running. I do. Like I, have a, I have or... a feature film that I'm doing. I don't have a website for it yet, but I, I would welcome people to, to write me directly because my IMDb even has my email on there now. So, oh, great. So people can write me directly. I'm hoping that they will. And it's linahant at me.com. You'll 
probably spell that for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll so, be all out there. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to raise about two and a half or three million dollars for a new film and um, got some fine, fine actors attached already. And we'll keep that under wraps for, for now. But sure. um, it's a fun thing. It's a it's a horror. I call it a horror with heart. OK. It's a film style genre that I've never written before, but mm. I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to write these fantasy adventure stories set set on tall ships out in the ocean. Where did that come from? Like, <laughs> how cheap is imagine. that to make? And then I realized, oh, that's, that's really expensive. Um, why don't I write something a little closer to home? So mm. change some of my um, sensibilities, and not sensibilities, but just things that I was writing about so I get more producible, yeah. smaller stuff. And then I finally made a feature in 2012 um, using crew that was all from UNCW. It was alumni and undergraduates. So that was the first of its kind thing. And um, that helped me to realize how smart our students were, how good they were at their job. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would take them over anybody. And enthusiastic. And too, enthusiastic. Right? It just they did the job and they were like, they didn't know how to follow through. They did. They mm-hmm. really followed through. So um, I'm going to do that again now. I'm going to reach out to people that, that I know and trust and and provide some opportunities. So it's one more way of like uh, helping nurture the next generation of filmmakers. Invite them to work on your film because yeah. they're good. Not yeah. because I'm doing anybody a favor. It's because they're good. Right, right. Well, that's amazing. And that's... That's so encouraging and inspiring to hear. It makes me so happy that you're working on another project and that all of these dots are kind of connecting for you. And I want to wish you all the best in your in your endeavors after this season comes Thank to you, an end. Thank you, Sarah. We will keep in touch about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want so. to be involved in what you do next, too. Good. It's exciting. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for supporting me. I've always felt very uplifted by you, so I was very happy to to reconnect with you in this way. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Welcome back, friend. I hope you enjoyed my recent conversation with my professor and friend, Terry Linehan. I wish I could bottle up the warmth that I get from any conversation I have with Terry and carry it with me wherever I go because he's really encouraging. And I would like to encourage you all to take Terry's advice and go make something go make a really bad movie or go write a really dumb play or just make anything and have fun with it and learn from it. I thought that was great advice. And while you're doing it, surround yourself with people who support you because the people who support you are inevitably the people who want to watch you grow. As Terry mentioned, if you would like to follow him into his new season of life, into his retirement, you can keep up with him on the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, under Terry Linehan, and there you can find all of his film and creative works and works in progress. And you can also send him an email directly at linehant at me. Dot com. That's L-I-N-E-H-A-N-T at me, M-E dot com. You can also read a little bit more about Terry and some more of my experiences with support by going to the Let Me Play Project Substack account and finding the accompanying support article. 
You can also follow the Let Me Play project on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Next week, of course, we'll be back with a new word and a new friend. We'll see you soon, and thanks for playing.